Mrs. Catherine and set it somewhere, probably working, while I do the editing of the podcast. This episode is a bit special. We had Brittany Curran, alias Fenn, to talk with us about the last episode of the season because her character appears, but she is not technically there. It was another actress. I was starstruck. Seth was laughing at me and I forgot to do the intro. So I'm doing it now. So you will hear all of what we have said. Well, not all. It was like a two hour long conversation. It was amazing. Anyway, I will let you with past us and I hope you enjoy the show. Bye. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, Kat, is every, everything good on your end? Yeah, I've oh, been okay. recording. Oh great! So this is this is good, uh, some good bonus content. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about cats and our relationships in Harry Potter. Um, cool. This so is the- like you know who I hate on the magician. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't hate anyone on the magicians. Is it weird to like watch an episode? Um no, you know I've been like because I've been acting now for, for a long for time years. I'm um. Not, not in a way that I take it for granted, but I'm used to it. The only yeah. thing that's still weird is, like, when I have, make love scenes or kissing scenes. And so, like, watching myself make out with people is funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely the weirdest part. Um, I mean, the funniest part about it is really doing it for the first time, especially when you're friends. Like, Hale and I are friends. And so when we had our first love scene, especially the part in season two when – we like we get on the bed and we start kissing and then he like flips me over yeah. when I'm like, in the doggy position. They yelled cut we just start cracking up because <laughs> we're friends and it's just like, like yeah. we're in it because we're both professional and he's incredibly professional and respectful, but like then you're like you, you comment on what you're doing and you're like, This is fucking hilarious. I'm oh, sorry. Is that okay? Oh, you can one hundred percent curse. I've already said fuck like five times. It's fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're analyzing the 13th episode, which is the last episode of season one. Cool. And uh, it's about, tra- and we're looking it through the lens of transformation. So cool. I was uh, th- thinking of, um, I'm going to be uh, cheesy, but how the magician changed me. Because I discovered it two years ago. I think it, it was the episode where uh, you watched the episode uh, with the Lemis on it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and he saw that episode. He was like, oh my God, Catherine needs to watch it. So we, we did, uh, and he made me watch like season one and season two. And as, as season two finished, I finished season two. So I was in the itis with everyone. So I yeah. joined the fandom with this hype of like, oh my God, what's going to happen in season three? <laughs> and at the same time, I stopped working because I got sick. So I ended up like going deep into creation, like learning how to do Photoshop, learning how to write better. Like I wrote a D- Dungeon and Dragon book for the magician, basically. Uh, yeah yeah it just like made me like uh basically for two years i've been like deep in my my um my creation and my creativity which i've lost as a as an adult because like you get you get in a mindset where like when you're an adult you shouldn't be creative anymore because you need a job maybe not for you because i mean you're an artist (laughs) but like for me i like yeah, like now I, I know, I'm totally choosing. Yeah, yeah, like now that we, like for me, I, okay, I have like a serious job and I cannot create. And like being back in the fandom of the magician and meeting like so many fans made me 
want to create again and I just and it transformed me from the artist I I am now and like I, I had my own store where I, I I make stuff and people buy them and like I, I ended up with having a lot of people and it's all because of the magician and it's amazing or like one show that is not meant to transform you transform you and wow. as a watcher it's like amazing but it must have happened to you as well when the, you are in the show you must be transformed also by uh playing to it oh yeah absolutely first of all that's uh, that makes me so happy to hear you say all that like I was saying earlier you know like when you're on set for five months and you're connecting intimately to this character in this world and it feels so small mm -hmm. and it just feels like these people here on I mean obviously logically you know it's a lot more than that but like you're just connecting to this small world on set yeah and then to be and you, you have to of course, you can't be thinking about a million other things. <laughs> that would be not doing my job well. Um, but then just hearing how much of an impact that it has on other people is like incredibly humbling and, um, and like makes honestly, it sounds cheesy, but it's true, like makes me want to do an even better job. And um, yeah, so that's like, that's so awesome to hear. And The Magicians has absolutely changed me too. It's funny, like Fen in particular, when yeah. I first auditioned for her, I remember thinking, um, like this character, it felt so different from me, and she she's so different from any character I've played before, especially because I've played so many pitches. Oh I was God. gonna say, you usually play bitchy characters. But, uh, uh, like, did you ask to be cast as another thing than Fen, or uh, another thing than a bitch? Like, did and you, you audition originally for Fen? Or? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I I um I was working on another film at the time, and I happened to have a couple days off, and this audition fell on one of those days, and I already kind of knew the casting director and so she just brought me straight to the producers and so yeah I went and met the producers and um read some of I you know auditioned with some of Fen's scenes and I really was like a little bit I wasn't nervous but I was thinking to myself this is kind of a stretch because I was used to playing such diff extremely different characters and um Fen is just so pure and, and kind and naive in the beginning was yeah. really naive and really impressionable um, and so I really didn't know how it was going to go. And I didn't even know how well it went, especially because and I've already, I've told this story before, but I, I, I like, didn't even notice that there was a third scene. It was really <laughs> weird. I still don't understand how this happened. I've never done this in my entire career where I like was practicing online. I was just looking at the sides on my computer because my printer wasn't working or I ran out of ink. And I just remember, I just worked on the first two scenes and then I got to the audition and they gave me this printed out sides, which is like a piece of the script yeah, yeah. audition with, you know, um, and I did the first two scenes and I was like, that went well. And then I flipped to the third page. No, I'm sorry. I what I thought was the end. And there was another scene and I was like, what the fuck? Oh and my so God. I was telling the casting director, I was like, um, I'm, I'm going to be honest here, guys. I did not, I was like, I did not know that there was a third scene. I was like, I have never done this. And at that point, I was like, in like my 15-year career, oh my God. can I go outside for a second and work on this? And I went out, and I, I learned it um, really quickly, and I came back in a few minutes later, and of course, it was a scene that was crying. I was like, of course, this uh, scene oh I had God. to But it went great, and I still don't know how it happened. I've never oh, done but honestly, it's the most fan-like thing that could have ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that way. That's actually really funny. I never thought about it like that. Ever. Oh my god. Yeah, like for me, uh, 
like Thanks. as you might know from all my handles on social media i'm obsessed with them and people ask yeah, me <laughs> yeah, and me uh, sorry i'm uh, eating bacon right now yes. yes we had bacon for breakfast too it's yeah it's okay. <laughs> but um bacon. and someone not long ago just joined the fandom and asked me like why do you love fans so much when there's like other big character and i was like because she she made the choice of kindness and love which is Aww. really hard in that show because it's hard to hate it. It's easy to hate everyone and like lean into the darkness and she's not. And so, and like, and then the person answered back, we're like, Oh my God, you're so right. That's true. I feel like she's the only character that I could never be like, she was being a dick in that episode. Everyone like, else even is when she was, a dick. Like even when she was drunk and called Alice out, Alice needed that. So. <laughs> oh my God, you almost made me cry. That was so amazing. That just made me love. I already love Fanny. That just made me love Fanny even more. Wow. Yeah, I have like a. I can give you like an hour essay on why Fanny's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. I know, it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, it's funny. Like I really do. I do feel extra connected to Fanny, and I feel connected to all the characters I've played just because you 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 live with them so long yeah. and you get to identify with their perspective. But Fen in particular, I get so, so protective of. And the, in the latest uh, promo, like, uh, you were not included for some reason. Oh, yeah. And it, like, really pissed me off. And I, like, I kind of had a rant. <laughs> Hiding in your shirt. <laughs> I kind of had a rant about that. And on Tumblr, we created the Fen Week. And for a, a week, everyone only created stuff about Fen. Oh my god, I never see that. Yeah, it's the, okay, yeah, it's the it's the fantastic week. <laughs> Get out of here with your puns. I live for fan puns. We even use them on set. That's like satisfy you. Like hair and makeup, we like we will use fan puns sometimes and then someone will come up with a new one on set and we're like, Yes, I've never heard that fan pun before. So, oh, I love it. But yeah, it- <laughs> Yeah, Fen needs someone like that, like in her fictional world on the show, to love her that much. But but anyway, sort of uh, shifting into talking a little bit about the episode thirteen specifically, since we're I don't know how we got into the topic of Fen, but we oh can because I we could just we could just stay there. But um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's really interesting, right? I feel like that is oh, that's a that's a day for Fen. Right, like she's going from just like hanging out, being a person, and they're like, "By the way, you're gonna marry a stranger, and it's uh, gonna be like, for me." What what all, always um, like in, interests me is the pre Iliad part of Fen, because she was raised knowing that she might marry a king, and yeah. how it might have transformed that person. That like basically, you have to raise yourself as, "Oh, I might be like in the high council, but also I want to be a commoner." Like how it might have like there's a duality in Fen that. I hope we get to explore more because it must have been so transformative. Like her grandpa basically made a deal that transformed all her life, even before she was born. I mean, do you think that she was raised with the idea that that would or could happen? Or had it been so long that they were kind of like, probably not, but maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know. Was she like groomed for that? Do you think? Or was it just like, could happen? Who knows? Yeah, I think it was one of those things where it just, and I think it was her dad that made the promise. Didn't I think it was her father? It's her grandfather. It was her grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, they went in back in time. It's her grandfather, and then her father. Uh, but then dies. Then, but then the one that gave the knife to it's the father Elliot is was, the father. It was like passed down to. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I thought you meant the guy who physically handed over the blade. Mm-hmm. 
The one and who originally made the deal was the grandfather, but then the right. one who handed over the blade wasn't. Yeah, yeah Sorry, exactly. I know I confuse those two things. Thank you for informing me on my own show. It's not like we rewatch it. Very good. Okay, good. Now I'm up to speed. Um, no, I think it was one of those things where it was like a possibility, but it just felt so far away and so yeah. foreign to Fen and and Fen's also been oh God. But then also like it kind of feels like a thing like, well, this might as well happen because Fen's raised in this very like in some ways archaic patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. And so that the idea that she would just be promised to like an arranged marriage, incredibly yeah. archaic. And so the idea that she would be promised to this man in a world that she's already grown up and kind of being told what to do all the time probably still felt like a passive act. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it was kind of 50-50. But then there's this other part of her that we find out later on, and I think it's in season three, that she was a little bit of a fighter more than we thought. And she was a member of, you know... um, The Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. And... um, which is what this podcast happens. <laughs> <Yes. with. laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yay! <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so yeah, I think there was definitely this 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 spirit that's always lived in mm-hmm. Fen of like this inkling of a woman who wants to stand up for herself and wants to make a difference. And so yeah, I think there was this big part of her that was like, Will this ever happen? What does that even mean? How will my life change? And mm-hmm. And like to Fen, fillery is matters more to Fen than anything else in life ever. Mm-hmm. And so I think she's like, you know what? This child of Earth hasn't come along yet. I want to make a difference. And so she joins the Foo Fighters. Um, and then I think it did happen with Elliot. And she was probably shocked and kind of happy too because it's like she's always obviously been waiting. And I, she obviously couldn't get married because then she'd be breaking this deal. Yeah, it's one of the things I've said before, but like. I think it's easy to because people are always like, "Oh, Elliot was forced into this arranged marriage." But uh, thank like, you. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, they were both, and obviously, there's the element of Elliot being gay and and Fen being straight, maybe bi. We're not sure because in this world, oh, she's bi. Isn't anyone <laughs> straight in this show? I, I don't. don't I, I don't think the word "straight" in the magician exists. I also don't think it exists in real life, but that's not a podcast. <laughs> no, I think that absolutely is. I think it like the word bi wouldn't even exist in, in Fillory because I think it's just like, yeah, everyone is is fluid and everyone it's it's, you know, based on who you care about. I think it that's one of the things about Fillorian society that I do like and yeah. is not archaic is the fluidity of like sexuality. Yeah. It's and like, yeah. hey, you wanna be with a bear? <laughs> oh, and that, I mean, damn, they take it to a whole new level. But, yeah, but let, the, just the fact that Elliot say, oh, yeah, like men and Fen's reaction was like, okay. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what do you want me to say? Okay, okay. Good, good for you. Like, yeah, like I, I like broccoli. That's cool. Like, <laughs> I, you know what? I don't, um, one of the original lines that ends up getting cut or ends up being rewritten is Fen was like, whatever, like my, oh, God, what was it? Ben basically told Elliot in that scene where they're discussing it, which was, oh, yeah, I had, um, like, her dad had a husband and a wife or something like that. Like, Fen had that in her family line. Oh. One of her parents had another two different spouses. I can't remember now because that was so long ago. But, yeah, isn't that? that? In the episode that the, 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 when Fen gets married, Elliot's a mess. Basically, decide, like, he was going to Fillory to be 
be dead wow be, be killed, dead. <laughs> be killed <laughs> and ended up having to marry this girl and like we see like the moment when he wanted he decide to do it like you see hell's eyes like light up and say like no i'm gonna do it and then yeah, he goes, it's like this heroic journey yeah in that moment. I, yeah exactly i love that moment in the episode because like you see elliot at least the way i interpret it um is that you see elliot become a bigger person become yeah. like really the person that he probably all always would be if um you know when you go through so much trauma in life like it really affects your trajectory of who you are and yeah. so to be able to start um uh overcoming that and being like yes this was my past but that is a part of me and I am still continuing forward and I'm still going to become better. And I feel like I love that moment with Elliot is mm -hmm. when he really steps up to the plate and he decides that like, he does sacrifice a lot. And that amazing scene with Elliot and Margot, um, when they're talking about like, Oh my God, like you're going to live in this land now and you're going to be married to this person that you don't even know. And like how difficult that is and that yeah. beautiful moment between them. Um, yeah, you really see, um, Right. Oh, I actually opened up Pinterest. God, I did not. <laughs> yeah, uh, Pinterest. <laughs> um, but yeah, you really see Elliot shift, and you really see him like start. I mean, I think you really see him start to become like the the man that he was always meant to be, like the high king. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's really nice. Like during the wedding scene, his um, like there's such a softness and kindness to Elliot in that scene. Um, where he not only accepts it, but like, I feel like he's actually like enjoying the experience and, and, um, yeah, he's I thought embracing it was actually it. really so sweet. I actually, I, I was thinking about it in this episode and I like, I don't know. Do you feel like, like him agreeing to marry Fen is like him being selfless and sort of like accepting that he's like taking one for the team almost, or like, is this like another way to like punish himself? Or like distract himself uh, from his own problems because he just has so much bad. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I feel yeah. like in a way he almost like sort of thrives off of like feeling bad for himself a little bit. Hmm. And I wonder if like going to a marriage where he feels like he knows he's going to be unhappy or something is like almost a way of. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, like Hale's really Hale and the writers are really the only ones that could honestly speak to that. I would just be guessing. Um, that's okay. That's literally what our podcast is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, well, I do think a big part of it really is Elliot stepping up to the plate and making a sacrifice because mm -hmm. Elliot obviously has a lot of love in his heart, and I think um, I think it, it is. I think it, the motivation for him is absolutely coming from a good place and coming from a place of like this is this is my duty and this is how I make a difference in the world and this is how I save my friends. Um, but of course, you know, like with anything, when, when anybody has any trauma following them, which is, you know, there's always trauma everywhere in life, isn't there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's following us around like an ugly little puppy. Um, <laughs> little puppy. I don't even know. What is that metaphor? I don't okay. Even I, well, I hope we're popular enough by this point that someone will please draw me the a ugly little trauma puppy. <laughs> I want ugly trauma puppy. I want him. And so there's the ugly puppy to like keep us fun. So, you know. Oh my god. Trauma right. puppy. So, so, the cousin of cancer puppy. Trauma puppy. <laughs> cancer puppy, which is so cute. Um, but you know, it's like when you have that type of thing that informs your decisions in life, even subconsciously, like, yeah, I'm sure there's an element of that. And like 
whenever like crappy things always happen to someone, I'm sure there's this element of like, of course this would happen again, you know? Mm -hmm. And like self pity is such a strong thing for anybody. And so for that to kind of be a part of who you are, even if you don't realize it, but I do think it's coming. I do think the main motivation for Elle, again, without being Hale or being the writers, Mm -hmm. like I would imagine the main motivation is coming from a very good place and wanting to make a sacrifice and want, wanting to be a better person than you were the day before. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and what I, what uh, this scene always like, bashful me is like, Fan basically present herself at the altar, like she says her name, and maybe she didn't even know Elliot's name when she was about to get married. Like they present yeah. themselves, and then he asked her if you want to marry me while she's in a wedding dress. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Turn back now. Places and not places and not to introduce herself for the first time. Wedding <laughs> altar. I know. But, the game of uh, cards against humanity. Worst place. I know. I was literally just thinking that. I'm glad to see Um, amazing. And also, like, just for the record, when we're talking about characters that aren't Fen, I think it goes to say in general that like you're now you're just like a viewer. You're just another I person. Know, I, I like, know. I know. I always want to be like, I'm not speaking for anyone else, but like, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'm just going to give a flat blanket statement. <laughs> Anything yep. said by Brittany Curran after this <laughs> announcement does not reflect the opinions of other actors or writers on The Magician. <laughs> I know, I'm that sense about it, but like when it's my own show and I spend so much time with people, I'm like, oh, oh I know, like, I know. Oh. Or even like maybe things that they've said or whatever yeah. about like their, you know. Uh, totally. totally. And I think that's the beauty. That's why I have a be in cinema. The beauty of uh, <laughs> this, this medium is you can watch it and like, even if that's not what they meant, it's there yeah. to say that's something. What, that's what any kind of art is. Like, like the once response, it's out there, everybody can interpret it so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little about Quentin. Ooh. Oh yeah, oh, because he. I mean, this whole season, he goes, he goes through some stuff. Oh yeah, he yeah. was. And thank goodness, because he was. I'm sorry, unpopular opinion, but he was so fucking annoying in the beginning. <laughs> I literally couldn't read the books because they were from his point of view and he was so insufferable and I couldn't <laughs> keep reading them. So I'm so glad that he grew as a character. Good job. He grew in the book too, just so you know. I, yeah, but not fast enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I have, that like- I have enough whining in my but, life. I'm a nanny. I, I love that I despite that. him growing, there is this like nerdiness of him that like you decide to write a book and it's going to be filler in further five. And like he, he, he like he narrates it, <laughs> yeah. Like he, he, despite like, and that's came back to what my story earlier that you can grow up and still be a nerd and embrace it. And I yeah, think yeah. and I think uh, Quentin is is that representation of like yeah you're gonna get mocked and people were like oh yeah big nerd. But at the end of the day, without Q, a lot of saving wouldn't have happened in Fillory. Like thank God he yeah. knows Fillory. Totally. <laughs> oh yeah. Seriously. Yeah, he's like the resident Earth expert on Hillary. But it's also so funny, though, because we talked about this in a couple other episodes. Then there's always like moments where something happens where like Penny, for example, has the vision of Victoria and, and remembers, you know, like he's describing what he saw there. And Quinn's like, oh, it's Hillary. And they're like, nah. Like every time they're like, yeah, we think this thing is about Hillary. And Quinn's like, yeah, it definitely is. And they're like, no. Like, why? Why do you have him as your resident nerd? And then you're like, we don't believe anything you say, though. Yeah, it's like very clearly Quentin's right about this fact right now. Yeah. Oh my God. But there's this also- is the only thing he can be right about. Let him. 
Like yeah, exactly. Poor guy. It's it's kind of weird because Quentin got transformed by the Fillory book, and in the Fillory book, he ended up being the fool with uh, with Julia, with the witch in the fool. Right, right. And then Jane ended up being the Watcher woman that ended up having the key from older Quentin. <laughs> okay, this is like some Doctor Who <laughs> and bullshit. Meanwhile, younger Quentin goes to change Fen's life because he go make the deal. So like, what? <laughs> like yeah, they all influence of... each other in this kind of like tiny. That's true. Like Quentin is almost influencing himself. Yeah. That's weird. I never thought about that. Oh yeah, that's a good like life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. like, yeah, it's, it it's just weird for me that like he ended up going in the past, but he don't just transform himself and like. The destiny of having the blade, he ended up having an impact on Julia, on Fen, on the whole castle, on the beast, on like everyone. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, can you imagine if like all of a sudden Hogwarts was real and then like <sighs> you got to go there? It's not. Oh shit! Spoilers, you have to cut that out. Don't spoil it. For that one 11 year old who's listening to this and still waiting. And, um, oh but oh no, God. fucking, I never thought about it like that. Oh my God. Yeah, it's like, can you imagine just the the impact of, or like Lord of the Rings or like something, some world that you've grown up with? And then yeah. not only is that very, I mean, you know, the worlds that you grew up in, the books that you read do affect you. But like, even if they're not, even if they're fictional, but just like it, you affecting it back. Yeah. Like, what a crazy. And- awesome thing and also just the weird journey of like like just that he went on with like yes like this amazing thing being real but then finding out that like this horrible thing is from there like that the beast is from there and then like finding out the truth about plover and then like like he goes on such like it's real but like now i found out that it's actually shitty like he goes on this whole sort of when he arrived in fillory the old like the fillory that we are in now is set out transformative. It's like the, the, the beast corrupted it basically. Mm. And it's yeah, not the yeah. fillery knows. And I think that's what that's the the, the, the difference between romanticizing romanticizing romanticizing. Thank you. <laughs> um uh, a, a place like Hogwarts, let's say, and then you analyze yeah. Hogwarts and you uh, you realize their pedagogy is really terrible. Why don't they have a counselor? <laughs> These children need mental health counseling there's oh, yeah, great, great pills too there's a oh yeah we definitely need a we need a therapist a mental oh, i think boy. everyone yeah. in the magician needs a therapist oh my god i think everyone needs a therapist just yeah, everyone period. in the world needs a therapist <laughs> exactly um oh my gosh um but i actually had a, a fun related question um i'm wondering like how do you think and i mean just not even like for feminine in general like what do you guys think things would have turned out differently if quentin had been hiking Oh, well, yeah, I mean, of course, I do. I, um... Oh, my God, Fed and Quentin. I should have. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That would be so funny. I'd you never like, talk to each other. Neither of them would be able to talk because they'd just be too nice. They'd be like, but no, you, but... Uh. But the, the funny thing is, Fen and Quentin don't have a scene in the past three seasons. Really? Mm-mm. Beginning, and we were in a scene. We've been in a couple scenes together. I remember the very first scene I ever shot was when we were at Dint's Cottage in episode um, 201. And I was in that scene physically with everyone, but I wasn't interacting with yeah. most of them. And then it wasn't until episode uh, season three when um, Fen and Frey and Elliot 
come from the Netherlands into break bill into the physical kids cottage and Quentin's there. And I remember when we, when we were about to shoot that scene, like Hale, um, the girl who plays my daughter, Madeline, and who's amazing. And, um, I think, yes, yeah, Stella. Yeah, and Jason was, yeah. I mean, Jason looked at each other and I was like, Hey buddy, we're in a scene together. <laughs> <laughs> we never put in the scene yeah. Together. Like that, so that is, a, that there's a pool on the, on Tumblr is will fan and Quentin talk to each other in season four. <laughs> Talk to each other in that scene. We're just physically there. Yeah. Well, I guess you'll have to see. I guess you'll have to see about season four. I know. But um, but but, like, but yeah. How do you how do you think that would have changed things if Quentin had been hiking? I mean, I think it would have changed things massively. Um, God, I God, him and Elliot are so like obviously there's similarities and they have this deep bond. But they are so different, mm-hmm. and the way that they handle yeah. things is so different. And like from Fen's perspective, Elliot is very Elliot centric, and I feel like <laughs> from everyone's perspective, <laughs> Elliot is very <laughs> Elliot centric. Uh, yeah. Um, and then like Quentin is very—I mean, he's Quintic centric, but like he's just very about everybody in a way. I don't yeah, know. You want to fix people. Yeah, yeah, like him and Quentin and Fen definitely have never thought about it until right now because you're talking about it. But yeah, Quentin and Fen definitely have some some similarities and some issues that they could both probably work out in a very similar way. Do you think yeah. uh, the the Blade chose um, um, Elliot to be king because that's what Fillory needed at that time? Yeah, totally. Like Fillory needed someone that was going to be very unapologetic about yeah. about mm. faith. and Elliot is very unapologetic which Fen could use more of honestly yeah Quentin would have just overthought things until yeah. he imploded probably. well I'd have had the panic attack so oh buddy but it's just that, that because just the the, the I think it's then the thir- third or second I'll episode be right back. okay of the season uh, the second season where when they're trying to fix the crop problem and Fen is like what you have to put shit on what You know, like, oh, in, in meanwhile, Elliot is like, of course you do that. Like, you wouldn't even think people in his own, in another world will see life differently. Which I yeah, think yeah. that he needed to bring Earth on Fillory for a while, and then it got back. Yeah, and I like that part of Elliot, too, is that he surprises you, because you wouldn't have guessed that he grew up on a farm, because it's very different than the persona that he's yeah. really magnificently created for himself. And so I, that was probably a good lesson for Elliot too, was to like realize that, oh, this part of my past and this part of who I am that I was always ashamed of, it's actually not something to be ashamed of. It actually adds to who I am. Yeah, it actually and, saved lives. Yeah, like it was amazing that he, yeah, that he's able to save Hillary yeah. in that way. And yeah, and Fen's just used to magic, so she didn't know that you need to fertilize anything. It's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and now having to see the magician at work must have transformed our, our fancy I'm magic back. as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. And now it's time for an ad. Hey guys, this is Kat and I am here to announce you that the second version of the Magician D&D book is on its way. As you know, I'm giving it for free to any fan to do their own campaign at home. But as you know, the second version will need some rework from the game mechanics and adding as well all the lore from season 4. I'm doing a Kickstarter ending May 31st, 2019 to help me get paid for the time I take to write the book since I do not get paid one penny when it's published. 
with as little as $1, you get rewards such as early release, stickers, your name in the playtest podcast, a hard copy, a magician lap open, an exclusive one-shot play to play with your friend, and so much more. To help me out to make this book even better, go to bit.ly dash magicians dnd that's with an s so bit.ly dash magicians dnd and go make your pledge thanks again to anyone that donated and i promise the second version will be as awesome as the first yeah and and what i what i was wondering is uh yeah if like when when uh, elliot gets uh, cut and we've discovered that he's the eye king margot's reaction is shut the fuck up And yeah. honestly, for me, it's not surprising. Like, Margot and Elliot were royalty before they were royalty. Mm. So yeah. why why is Margot surprised? Why? Uh-huh. Oh, God. I mean, they were, you know, I would think it's because they were obviously royalty, um, metaphorically speaking. And, I mean, it's already a big shock. Like, the first shock is that magic is real. You know, it's like, especially for Quentin, like, he didn't re realize that, that was a real thing. So the first shock is magic is real. The second shock is that Fillory is real. Mm -hmm. And then the third shock is that, oh, my God, I am the king of Fillory. And so I think it just brings the shock level higher and higher. I and mean, Pat, if, like, if that happened to you, if you just became crowned monarch of a well, fictional... I, I think like, she's you just would surprised be like, that... And she's I just feel like it. I would just be like, "What the fuck is like?" Well, I think it's she's just surprised that the blade chose Elliot because, like, in that moment, Elliot is the least responsible of everyone. Almost got them killed already. He wants to die, and and like like we were talking earlier, like that moment when he shifts and says, "Okay, I'm not gonna die, and I'm gonna like take the crown and decide to be a king." That's when yeah. like Elliot get out of his like depression post Mike. But I think, like, at that moment, like, he's a mess. So, yeah. that's surprising. Yeah, I know. I think, It's yeah. like when you take the trouble kid in the classroom and you give them a responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's like, when he, once, he, once he has a bigger responsibility, like, not only does he have to save this world, but he has to save himself now. And sometimes you need to be, you need to give, be given something that appears to be bigger than yourself to save for you to then feel like allowed to save yourself especially if you have like self-loathing issues and which is really really hard to get to so i would imagine that there is definitely an element of well you know what like for any for i don't know if it's him or just self-loathing in general like if you feel like saving yourself is like a selfish act and you feel like you're not worth it well maybe saving this other place is worth it and so mm. maybe myself via saving this place is no longer a selfish thing which it never is ever saving saving yourself and doing anything for yourself is not selfish Amen. obviously but That's like fair. and i think elliot has this wonderful line in the third season saying uh uh saved me when i needed to be saving and now it's my turn to save fillory and i think uh at that moment like fillory saved elliot from suicide totally yeah 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 no i definitely think I, I would imagine that Fillory did save Elliot. And saved a lot of them, maybe. I mean, and Margot, too. Like, Margot just... At least in this timeline. Another <laughs> <laughs> or however many... How many timelines there, is there? there? But there's... That's the 40th timeline, so there's 39, 39 others. 39 other timelines. I'll do that. I'll, I'll just that. make up a number, it's fine. I'm just saying 23 because of Penny 23. <laughs> 
cannot oh, wait. Stuck in my head. I know there's 40 timelines. Good lord. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on hiatus. I just my brain is on the bacon. Um, next that's, no, that's it. it. We that's it. We don't like you anymore. <laughs> no. Oh no! Take me back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Margot. Margot. Um. Is like I feel like Fillory brings out. I mean, obviously Margot's done some. Um, Horrible things. I tell my baby, "Fuck you, Summer." Uh, <laughs> like, I feel like that's got to be the best comeback. Like, if you were late to something, you'd be like, "Listen, you can't say shit because you sold my baby." You my like, baby. yeah, that's great. I, I hope everything like threw that back to Marco. I mean, I say it to Summer all the time. So, I mean, Summer and I are such good friends, and I love. I love like, well, you did sell my baby. <laughs> um, she's awesome, but like other than obviously these little. Um, you know, bad things that happened. I think that Fillory really brought out the best in Margot as well. But also going <laughs> back, I agree. <laughs> going back to Margot though, in this, you know, when you're talking about that scene right before the the wedding where they they have that like little intimate scene. Yeah. Yes. Is this the first time we see Margot cry? Yes. Yeah. No, she right. cries before in, during a threesome. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What? I yeah. think it's interesting that the only two times we see her cry are about Elliot and being worried about Elliot. Yeah. yeah, I think that definitely says something. And I think I that, think like, that we... Oh, go part. ahead. Oh, no, no, it's okay. I think that shows the um, the humanity that always has been in Margot. It's just, it takes more to bring it out. It takes people that she's really passionate about to bring it out. Uh, yeah, um, she has this persona of like the bitch of the school, but Margot never was the bitch. Even like I see our article saying like, oh, Margot went from the bitch to the king. And I'm like, she never was the bitch. She was playing a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. To protect herself, I think. Yeah. Her and her and Elliot are both really good actors. It's like it's like actorception. Yeah. They're actors totally. playing actors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like Elliot says that he's like his persona is his best creation. Yeah. yeah. You know, totally. it's like he creates, his, it's like fake it till you make it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> you, he found that strength and that individuality by pretending to be this thing um, that he admired and that gave him strength and then he became that thing. Yeah. And I think same with Margot. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I think it's interesting, like, I feel like Margot, I don't know, I, I feel like we definitely see Margot develop more in the later seasons, mm -hmm. but I feel like well, she, she's a tough nut to crack. I feel like it took the whole season just for her to even show a little bit. This is just, like, me being silly and geeking out. But, like, I feel like all of y'all are just... We just talk about this all the time. How, like, you're such good actors that, like, the, there are parts where, like... Um, like thinking about Summer where I'm like, it's so obvious to see when Summer is Summer and when Summer is Marco. It's like a totally different. Yeah. Like her even in her structures face, it's weird. <laughs> like it's, it's really like weird. Like she tightened her jaw and like she become like this solid person and Summer is like, ah! Yeah, yeah, she's, like, she's very different. Yeah, it's that's like she's acting. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's like, it's kind of crazy though. Cause I feel like, I don't know, like. I feel like there's acting and then there's like actually being a character. I feel like all of y'all are just like, I don't know. On a level. Like there was, we were talking about this in the scene. Like there's obviously a lot of like emotion, like strong emotional moments in this show, mm -hmm. but the scene where um, Elliot has to kill Mike. And I'm just like, I don't want to know what Hale is accessing right now to like be able to uh, like. I just want to hug him. Every time yeah. I watch it, like I can't. That was a crazy difficult. Yeah, yeah, that was I, like, 
But yeah, I, no, see, I think that's why the the magician. Every character is so strong. That I think the actor care about their character so much. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I never. I, they're so protective of their characters. So it's funny on Twitter. It's funny when like they, you see them like no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I'll see a comment. And I'm like, oh, they're wrong. I want to tell you why they're wrong. And I'm like, I can't do that. I. Um. Okay. I'm gonna reel back in. Fishing line. Um, we're, we're um, back with I, you. <laughs> yeah, I I actually think that um, the other interesting thing, like aside from his sort of whole arc in this uh, season, like in this episode, I feel like one of the most important things is he comes to the realization that like he has a freaking hero complex and he needs to get over it. Like, yeah, like it's not about like I'm the chosen one. But or, see, like, everyone buys into it, even Martin buys into Quentin being the hero. That's what will have like killed him. Like, they feed him. into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like... I also feel like he really, like, has gained confidence at this point in the season. Like, I feel like he second-guessed himself. And, ever, like we were saying before, everyone else is kind of second-guessing him all the time. Yeah. And then, like, the fact that he, like, fucking, like, tells off Ember, to <laughs> me, I'm like... Like, you literally, like, can't even stand up for yourself, and you're a volunteer tomato, and... Yeah, but, see, but Quentin cares so like, much about yeah. Fillory that he's ready to stand up to a god. Yeah. But, but I also feel like that's because, that. of some, that's because of some confidence that he's developed throughout yeah. this season, I think. Also, I think, I don't think episode one Quentin would have done that. No, 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 no. Yeah, I agree. That, that, that's, but that's what I mean, that, like... Um, when they, you said like, oh, you're is uh, is the chosen and blah blah blah. If Julia didn't double cross them, you, they would have killed the beast back then. Yeah. Got so it. like, but, but even Martin basically bought into the chosen thing, and yeah, yeah, and I like that even the villain made that mistake. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and they uh, and the author are like, nope. <laughs> but what? Um, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I just think I think it's so interesting too, like with with Quentin especially, and with the show in general, um, is that like you have to be happy with where you are. You can, like it, it's this idea of like, and people do this all the time. I mean, I've done it before, which is like I'll be happy once I get here, yeah, mm-hmm. or I'll be happy once I accomplish this in my career, or I'll be happy once I own this, or am friends with this, or whatever the heck it is, whatever it means. And I feel like Quentin, what happens in his life just brings it to an extreme, which is where, like, I feel like Quentin, especially in the beginning of season one, was like, if if magic is real, I will be happy. Yeah. And then magic is real. And then everything is perfect. And he's still not happy. And, like, it goes to show that, like, happiness is absolutely an internal journey, not an external one. I agree. And if you, I mean, everyone's not, no one's happy a hundred percent of the time. That's not real. That's probably <laughs> not happy. like you need to, you need to have other horrible, you need to have bad things too. But I just mean general happiness yes. and general joy and being able to just experience joy in general. And so I've always found it interesting that like that like our show, I've always seen magic as being a metaphor for really anything in life. Which is like when people are like, if I have this thing, I'll be happy. Yeah. And magic is just so extreme. And so for Quentin, like, if he had, like, worked through and gone to therapy and been able to work through more of his stuff and then found out Philly was real and then found out magic is real. Because what's more disappointing than finding out the main, the your main goal in life is real and then you're still not happy. Yeah. Because then you're like, there is nothing that can make me happy. Yeah. Which there is. 
it's you. It's you alone. Mm -hmm. But like having that like slap in your face, like, oh my God, like this hasn't changed anything. It must be so jarring and must really add to Quentin's internal world of, and I'm sure a lot of self-criticism, again, figuring this out, another character, you know, Jason obviously is the only one that knows this in the writers, but like, okay, I gave you a disclaimer. Oh, no, I gave you a Here I am disclaiming. This is what fans do. We're <laughs> <laughs> standing out so hard. Standing out. Oh, my God. Because yeah, I always say Quentin out that. when I have panics attack. So now oh, fitting yeah. out is going to be me I apologizing. About <laughs> out. I use that in my own life. Like, oh, shit, I'm spending out again. Yeah, but now, oh, I'm 100% using that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be something. It's going to be on merch. <laughs> Don't but she's getting better. She's getting better. So soon that will be a good thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, but <laughs> no, yeah, but I can't imagine the amount of self. What was it? Saying? The amount of self criticism from Quentin is like because he's obviously a really smart dude. Oh yeah. yeah. And obviously, I'm sure realizes like, wait, why am I still not happy? And so then, when you're like commenting on your own issue and commenting on your unhappiness or your anxiety or your whatever it is, once you're commenting on the thing, you start to like. It's like when you start to have anxiety about having anxiety. Oh, and then yeah. Cat knows all about that. <laughs> yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, I, and like, yeah. what makes, like, it, this happened just after they come back from um, the uh, Amber's cave and everything. And Julia remembers something that Quentin doesn't know, which we know is a very sexual assault. Right. And do you think seeing Julia so desperate and so, like, lost, but... And, and not being able to help. And he's, that's what makes him realize, like, hey, maybe I'm not the one to help Fillory. Maybe it's someone else. And that's why he goes yeah. to Alice saying, like, yo, you're much better than me. Do yeah, it. yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. I am thinking about that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, can we shift to talking about Julia a little bit? Oh, please. <laughs> going on there. I mean, uh, obviously, there's, like, the, the like, physical, you know, physical transformation of, like, her memories being, you know, her having false memories and then getting the real ones back and, like, what that does to her. Um, right. I mean, yeah, that's, and, yeah, that's 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 a lot. This girl has gone through a lot this season. Yeah. And so much. And I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like she's maybe had one of the, like, most dramatic like storylines in this season. <laughs> see, that, that's what I love about yeah. Julia. In season one, we see her like break. Season two, we see her try to get revenge. But season three, she decided to forgive. And yeah. I think that's why I love that she got partnered with Fen. Fen, who was not ready to forgive. So, like, those yeah. two basically like paired up. But in this moment, Julia is so broken that she, if we would have given her the power of the god that she has in season three, she wouldn't have used it correctly. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and um, speaking, so of, speaking of that, uh, the eyes of Julia are different color because Alice and Raynor's eyes are green, flash greens, but Julia is yellow. And I went in my symbolism oh. of... Uh, <laughs> and uh, green is about fertility, ambition, and greed. Which is Reynard and Alice, if you want my... Slytherin! Exactly. And uh, and uh, yellow is like freshness, positivity, enlightenment, loyalty, honor, remembrance. Hufflepuff! <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so um I but- figured it out. Wait, so JK Rowling just went to a color dictionary. Fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yes. <laughs> she literally just Googled what do colors mean? <laughs> Houses. Was oh Google Wait, it was the 90s. Wait, maybe she didn't Google. Maybe she went to the library. Oh my God, that's worse. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like that. The, the fact that from the beginning, Julia access and connection to the gods is different than Alice's or Reynard's because we know like all the crazy shit's just going to happen with the gods and Julia. But the fact yeah. that her connection to earth is more about honor and loyalty and remembrance yeah, yeah. And the other are about like the ambition and what can I do with that power? Yeah. And, it, and it's like, it's a big foreshadowing of season three, but so yeah. I don't know. Like when I saw that the first time I was like, huh. <laughs> Sarah knew since then. <laughs> Sarah and oh, John yeah. knew since then. Oh yeah. Okay. Totally. So I had this really weird realization and like, I don't know. This was my like almost usually like once an episode I have a moment where I like oh I'm taking notes and I'm like Hah! and this was that moment for me where yeah. I was I was thinking about the fact that right at some point you know we don't see this explicitly but I feel like we can probably just that at some point Quentin has told Julia about the truth about Plover and Martin and everything that went down. Mm-hmm. And the fact that at the end, it made me less mad at her because I realized that when she's asking the beast to help her get revenge, she's asking another survivor of sexual assault to help her. Right. And that was the realization that I was like, all right, fine. I'm less mad at you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What, no, no, you're, you're totally right. And because you see another path that can unfortunately be taken from like aftermath of something so yeah. horribly, so horrible happening. And yeah, like, I'm a puppy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, and so, no, yeah, it goes to show how horrible things can affect people so drastically different and how each road is sad. And, and, and we were talking about, but sad. Yeah, exactly. And we were talking about how like, uh, we see in Hell's eye when he's, uh, and Elliot's eyes when he's, he changed and decide to be a king. We can see in Julia's eyes when she says like, "Okay, I'm gonna betray them." Like when when they're walking inside um, the shit house because that's where magic is, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, you you see Julia like look looks at at them and you can see her being like, "Okay, that's not the plan I'm going." Yeah. And, at first, I never understood why, but you're you're right. Said it's it's about asking another survivor, like, "Hey, help me." Yeah, like I, I don't know. I wonder, like, if that had something to do with it. I just like I never really thought about it before rewatching the episode, and I was like, "Huh." Like, I I feel like it's less. That makes me feel like it was less of a stupid move because when she did that, I was just like, when the first time I watched it, I was like, "You're dumb. You're the person in the episode." Of you know, I've been okay. So I've been watching a lot of Columbo recently. I don't know if you're familiar. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. I'm like obsessed with Columbo because it's just a bunch of white, rich white men getting what they deserve. Um, <laughs> it's really satisfying to me. That's but like, I'm like, you're the fucking person in Columbo who goes to the murderer and is like, I won't tell anybody you murdered someone. And I'm like, he's just gonna murder you now. 
You're yeah, dumb. Yeah. You know, like the first time I watched Julia make that deal, I was like, you're fucking stupid. But like, then when I thought of like, after I watched it and realized that I was like, okay, that makes me feel like, I don't know, like maybe there was some ras rationalization there. I, I just I asked know. myself a question on the book and I, I, I uh, past me is really smart. So I wrote, uh, what, why did Ember give Julia his uh, memory back? And I, there's two things. Is first, he's the god of chaos, so he was like YOLO. And um, <laughs> and the second thing, maybe he knew that this will make like she will she she will have the drive to kill Martin. I always interpreted that scene. He's just like, oh, there's a thing there. Bleep. But like, I, I, I may, maybe like he's a god. No. He, he knows shit. So maybe like he knows that, and they, he know that they failed 39 times. So maybe they, yeah. they, he, 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 he was okay, like, but. Okay, but like, wait a minute. Theology <laughs> is this like? I don't feel like he's like omnipotent. I feel like he's just like you know, like we're talking like Greek god style. Like he's just there, and I don't think he knows everything about everything. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, like you know, later on in the in the seasons when he says that he just like he creates worlds. Like Fillory isn't the only world, and that he's bored essentially. We find out at one point that Fillory isn't the only world. But yeah. There's other yeah. worlds like Cuba. <laughs> The cute boy, and then they find out he was already a real place. I love that. Um, it's like when I was set, or I was a small child, and I invented the foon, and then I found out that the spork was a thing, and I was so mad. The foon um, would have been a hit. I hate when I do, when I yeah invent something, and then I find out it's already real. I'm like, well, they're really upsetting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, these gods are like so powerful and they can create these worlds. And so I would imagine with that much power comes a lot of boredom. Mm -hmm. And so there's this part of me that's like, is there just this simple solution, which is Ember was bored and thought that if he yeah. did, gave this to Julia, that that would just mess things up even more and he would be even more entertained. Honestly, know? that, that makes fair. sense because like, we know that like you will change people into red for the funsies. So. Yeah. yeah, unlike Fen, I can say he's a fucking dick in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, Dominic Burgess, who plays Ember, oh is so amazing. And, um, okay, yeah, you've already seen the scene because they released the scene early when Janet goes into Fillory. And he's full of kittens, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, he's covered in kittens. Because, like, Dominic in real life is obsessed with cats and kittens. Yes! Has, like, five cats, including a blind cat that he named Blink. And, um, yeah, he just adopted this kitten last year, I think it was. Oh, my God. And so when they, when I saw that scene in the script, I was thinking to myself, oh, my God. I think the writers just did this to give Dom, like, the best day on set ever, which is him, like, in his fuzzy pants and his hooves with a bunch of kittens meowing around. But that's the day that you get to come home and be like, what did you do at work today? And be like, I was covered in cats. It was great. Like, it's the pretzel <laughs> day of Dominic, basically. <laughs> That's the life, man. I want a scene where I'm covered in kittens. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> well, you did. You did got a lot of bunnies last last season. I know we have so many bunnies. There's this bunny actor I work with a lot this upcoming season, um, and uh, bunny actor. I, I'm sorry. I know bunny. I know it sounds That's so amazing. Silly. <laughs> He's a pretty good actor. Um, <laughs> How how does a bunny does a bunny go to conservatory? How does that work? <laughs> oh, bunny conservatory! <laughs> I would love to be a bunny conservatory.
That is so cute. Oh my god. Um. Anyway, this is one hundred percent related. Um. And, and, and yeah. Because there's bunnies. Yeah. And and then going back to Amber, also we can see that trans uh, captivity transformed him, and that that where the boredom you were talking about, maybe that's where it comes from. Like he was yeah. imprisoned for how long in that cave, waiting for something to happen? Also, like how do gods even process time? What is time even to gods? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if we can get an expert on that. <laughs> Who can we phone in? Okay, in, in the episode, uh, Fan's grandpa say, what in the 80s? So that means that Fillerian know about the great gods? Oh, would they? We randomly caught this, though, because, yeah, Fan's grandfather, when they're making the deal, he goes, what in Hades? And we were like, wait a minute. Oh, 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 oh. So, How would they know about Hades? Yeah, this brought up a weird question. I have so many Which questions about the world. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I didn't even catch that, honestly. Yeah, yeah like I have so many. The more I look into the gods in the show, the less I understand. And I, I think it's gonna be Just worse. Just like real season. life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to just like uh, hop back to Ember real quick because yeah. I had a cat. I don't know if you have some kind of fancy, um, uh, what do you call it? Like film maybe talk about this but um also i think it's interesting to talk about like the transformation when they go when they're at ember's temple and they go back in they go forward in time from like it being like beautiful and covered in flowers and just like you know to like just being cold and sad and everything's dead i mean besides the obvious like i don't know if you have well it's, it's basically like it's basically that. the transition of quentin's dream of what Fillory is and what he saw in the book uh, to what Fillory truly is. It's it's going to Hogwarts and realizing you have school. Oh, it's like <laughs> it's, it's like it's like visiting New York versus living there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a hot trash city. Don't go there. <laughs> Great. But yeah, there. You've never been there? No, no, lived. I've been oh, lived. I was like, that seems non true. Yeah, no, I don't even know if he does. Yeah. Don't live there. It's a hot trash thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, it's really a metaphor of Quentin's realization of what he thought Fillory was and what it is. Because yeah. like, even like um, Margot did say this like awful thing, saying like, uh, "Oh, your fa childhood fantasies are great, uh, great big magical that show." And I was like, "What's that show? It's a concentration camp." Oh. So basically, she said, like, oh, your childhood fantasy is a great big magical concentration camp. Well, oh, yeah, we looked at, because I always, I can't hear for beans, so I always put the subtitles. And, like, we saw, like, she said something, and I was like, yeah. It's funny, because she always, when she doesn't know words, she looks at me, and I'm like, don't look at me. I don't even know what that means in English. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a concentration camp. So, like, basically, she said, like, to Quentin, oh, look, the fantasy you love kills everything you love. I mean, mm. not wrong. That's a harsh reality. That's sad. But like, also, Margot would be the kind of person who would compare something to a fucking concentration camp. Margot. <laughs> so goddamn dramatic. Um, today, I don't think I had anything particularly. No, we already talked about Margot, but I actually, going back to the whole Julia arc, I thought it was really interesting, like, what happens with Julia and Marina in this episode. Because, like, I, I, I wrote down, even Marina has bitch limits. Like, <laughs> She, this oh is God. also I wrote it in quotes like I wouldn't remember that I was the one that wrote I don't fucking know um, <laughs> but, but like the fact that like without even a second thought like 
she goes and helps Julia in this situation. Also, like, from a practical point, I'm like, why did Maria even pick up the phone? I don't know. I'm like, silly. I'm like, but anyway, that's just I, I think that because like, Marina wonder... loves Julia. Like, well, she I... sees herself in Julia. I also yeah. wonder if Marina went through something similar. Mm. And if that's why she's connecting with this. Oh, I mean, yeah. Point I mean, like, she's a woman, so probably. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I wonder if there's also some connection yeah. there with why she's so like, of course, I'll help you even though I fucking hate you and I'm a terrible person. That's, that's the thing, like season one and two, we don't really know Mar Marina. We we see Mar the Marina she want to project she is. Yeah. And that's why I, I like when we discover that Marina 23 is coming, like the whole fandom basically crashed the internet because, <laughs> because a lot of people want to know the real Marina, and I think like Marina twenty three is way more traumatized, and less have a link with Julia to show who she truly is. Mm. So that's yeah. why that's why like I'm really excited that these and then we from the from the preview we see Marina seems to be a main character in this season, like to be there a lot. So. Um, yeah, that's exciting to see. Like, if yeah, Marina has a really significant role this season, yes, for sure. I love this, Casey, who plays her, is wonderful. Yes, she's amazing. This is why I love sci-fi because we can just like bring people back. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's so <laughs> good. We're just like they're not dead, or like we'll just go back in time, or like, it's so sci-fi and fantasy are my favorite. Yeah, there's so, another timeline. It's so yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like there's another marina out there. Well, yeah, that's like we were, we were talking about in the last episode that we were, were we were recording. It was I don't even remember what, what episode because we've been going out of order, but um, uh, it was one where um, they were doing like the probability spell when they right. they're thinking about going to Fillory, and there's a scene where like they you know like the beast comes and kills them all, and like as the audience like well, we don't know. If I'm, but like right. it's so funny because I'm like, of course they're not all dead because <laughs> then the show is over. It's like and that would be that. weird. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's but like I mean, when I yeah I, I was reading Harry Potter and like all the books were not written yet. Uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, will Harry survive? Yes, there's seven book announced. Yes, and they're, <laughs> and they're all called Harry Potter. So probably, <laughs> although now I want to write a series and kill off the main character who's the namesake before the series is over, just for fun. Yeah, totally. It's like in Psycho when um, yes. you know, the main character, the woman, dies halfway through. It's like no one was expecting that because she's the hero, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, oh in the last not, thirty minutes, yeah, the That's last thirty minutes is about how to hide her body, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's an instruction manual. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um. I'm trying to see if I had anything. Oh, I mean, there was a little bit also with Alice in this episode. Oh, um, I think because like, right, she's just gone through this whole emotional thing of Quentin cheating on her. And she's like, I feel like it just says a lot about her where she's just like, listen, like, also, I feel like, I don't know. I almost feel like this is more of the logical side of her is like informing the emotional side of her. Cause she's like, listen, this is clearly more important. Like, I'm just gonna like, I got your back. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to put it in perspective with, like, what's happening here. And, like, maybe, I don't know if she, I don't think she necessarily says, like, I forgive you. But, like, she's like, all right, listen, like, we need to put this aside right now. Like, we need to deal with, like, but I think bigger things. Everyone in the magician does that. Like, they, they like, 
not betray each other, but like they basically do something shitty and then, oh no, it's life or death, so I have to help you now. <laughs> it's, but that's what happened with Finn and Margot, basically. Like, oh, like yeah. you sold my baby and suddenly we cannot talk <laughs> about it because our kingdom is, is like now overrun by fairies and then bam my husband is a monster what's happening you know a <laughs> typical wednesday <laughs> exactly so i feel like the, the 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 core of if they have feelings or problems is rarely talked about that's why like the moment they are talked they're so powerful yeah because big things, it just keeps escalating further and further. Yeah. And it takes the focus onto something even bigger and more, like, world-changing. Yeah. It's, it's funny when you say that, because you said further and further, because it's literally called filler and further. Ah, ah that's good. <laughs> You're so funny <laughs> and cute. But, and, and, and I think, like, that's what happened with Alice there, and we're going to... That's what happened with Elliot as well, when he... Um, you say like, okay, I'm doing this. It's this moment of like seeing the real Elliot and seeing like, okay, things are like getting the shit out of here. I'm going to be here and I'm going to like, I'm going to do it. And Margot is like, she's crying, but I feel she's crying of happiness a bit of like, wow, we might get out of this. And then she's like, can I, can I say that I'm mad that you're getting married, which is really I mean, Kat, do you have anything else important? Uh, or do you want to switch to the flower in the vase? Flower in the vase. Go ahead. Explain it. Okay. Oh, so um, this may or may not be an actual expression <laughs> from France or just something that Kat's grandmother made up because we've done research on this. And all of a sudden, like, Kat thought it was a real thing and we cannot find any actual research to back it up. But allegedly, <laughs> according to Kat's grandmother... Um, there was this sort of tradition back in like the days of like Shakespeare, where if you you would like go see a play and if you like the performance, you would like throw flowers at the performers. You know, sort of like what we do today, right? Oh, good performance. Yeah. Here's some flowers. But if you didn't like the performance, you would throw a vase at the performer. I've never heard that, but that is hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's, I hope it's true, and or it might be something that. My, my grandma always said like you don't give the fla- the vase and the flowers to someone, which is like a backhanded compliment. Like, oh, you're less fat now. <laughs> hilarious. I've never heard that before. Yeah, and that's probably because she made it up. But who knows? <laughs> um, according to this podcast, it is a piece of history. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um, I heard it on the internet. It must be true. Um, but anyway, so we. We pick one person. We each pick one person in the episode who we want to give the, the flower to, or uh, and the vase. Oh God! So you can think. You can go last if you want. Um, um, you go first. You guys go first. Let me. Well, mine is easy for my okay. flower, and I'm not saying that because you're there, but my flower goes to Fan because uh... because uh, she decided she ended up like quitting her whole life. Like she was courting wood, and then suddenly she's getting married to this stranger. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So and like we uh, a lot of it took a lot of time for people to understand that Fen was forced in it too, and like she didn't have a say into it. She's like, okay, you're getting married today, oh, okay. So yeah. um, for that and like for sacrificing her, her own happiness to the greater good, you go Fen. And I'm yes. gonna <laughs> yay. And I'm not saying that because you're there. Uh, She's not. She would say it anyway. <laughs> and um, my, like, when Fen arrived in the in the episode, I wrote Fen in cap lock. So, you know. <laughs> and um, when my vase will go to Amber, 
for fucking giving back Julia's memory of a trauma she clearly didn't want to have. Yep. I mean, Fuck you. <laughs> that's yeah, all yeah. I have to say. Uh, whoa, I didn't say fuck you, Dean Fogg, in this episode. Hey! But yeah, because, yeah. Uh, even when he's not in an episode, though, usually it comes up that he did something wrong. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's the worst. Worst. Uh, anyway, so I um, would like to give my. I, for some reason, I always say Rose because apparently it's an episode of The Bachelor. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give my my Rose uh, actually to Marina for like dropping her bitchy persona for a minute and being like, "This is a person who really needs help." Like again, that moment of like, "This is bigger than me and my petty fight with a person." Yeah. Yeah, so you go, Marina. Um, and uh, my vase, fucking Julia, for being that person in the episode of Columbo. Don't be that person. That's all. You just, you should, come on. She's a person of this century. She's watched CSI. She's watched shows. She should know that you don't make a, a deal with an interdimensional demon. Like any episode of CSI. <laughs> Never turned out good, does it? No, no. Even if they sing, <laughs> even if they eat Captain Crunch, don't do it. He's <laughs> like a beautiful singing voice. Um, okay, I'll give my. You know what? I'm just gonna give my flower to Fen because shouldn't we give ourselves flowers more often? Amen. Yes, we should. And, you know, it's not even me. It's a different actress, but it's still Fen. It's still the spirit of Fen. And, um, yeah, and she deserves it. She, like, it's a moment in her life that she doesn't get a lot of credit for. So, like, going back and, and acknowledging the sacrifice that she made as well, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an act of self-love, giving myself a flower. I mean, it's Fen and it's someone else, but it's me. <laughs> but it's still you. Sure. like, yeah. Um, and then the vase, God. Uh, who will I give the vase to? Um, I know, I should have thought about this more. Okay. Uh, I give the vase to um, the beast. Yeah. Right? It's a good one. I've seen this episode in a while, but yeah, Julia goes and grabs the beast and then tries to kill Renard, right? That's what... Yeah, like it ends up with them fleeing to Earth. Right, right, right. And then Marina gets killed by Renard. No, that's... Yeah, that's in season two. That's season two. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, well, horrible. this action though brings uh, like the action of the beast leaving and going to or make also, Marina I die. Just, I feel like it's never wrong to throw a vase at the beast. Yeah. yeah, it's never wrong. He's usually in the wrong. Yeah, he's usually <laughs> doing horrendous, horrible things. So yeah, yeah. that was so sad. <laughs> yeah, no, and doubt blame the beast. Yeah, there was there was one episode where I was having such a hard time figuring out who to give my base to, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the beast is coming here to murder everyone." Like, yeah, that no, should have been the obvious choice. Duh. <laughs> I mean, really, I want to give the base to Christopher Plover because he's the reason mm. why the beast didn't exist. Amen. But I, I don't mean, remember. He's in that episode. You could give it to him. Oh, yeah. I'll give it to Christopher Plover then. Yeah, as he's lying in a bed recuperating, just throw it. Uh, but it's funny because yeah, yeah. it's funny because like when Quentin sees him. He has like no empathy for the guy. The guy's just nope. been tortured for years and he's like, fuck you. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with him on that for yeah. sure. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the moral of the story is don't molest children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always a good that moral. I feel like it's, <laughs> right? 
It's a good one. Um, Barbara, you're terrible. Thank you for yeah. taking the time to be here. Yeah, I still, uh, when you messaged me, yes, I might have screamed a lot. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny because, again, like, she's even the same thing, like, with the animals. She's like, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, huh. She's like, I don't know. Should I ask her? She wants to. I'm like, yeah, she's just like a person. No, but, like, <laughs> she's playing fan. Yeah, and she's like, a person. No, but she's playing fan. <laughs> Oh yeah, you hearing you talk about Ben makes me love Ben even more. So oh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna send you my essay on her that I posted that long ago. <laughs> my essay. Oh, hell yeah, I'll read that. Her. <laughs> and uh, so she'll do that, and I'll send you video game recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be well rounded. And uh, is there um, anything else than the magician that you'd like to plug, Brittany? Oh, stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh. Well, I I just. I'm doing this animated. Well, I can't talk about it yet. Never mind. <laughs> it's an animated movie, but I can't plug it because I'm not even. Well, it's gonna be in April. It's gonna leave in April. I don't know if you can plug it in April. Um, this is gonna air in April. Yeah. Yes. I still don't know if it'll be announced yet. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. I I guess I could plug my um I, my whiskey documentary, yes. The Water of Life. That I yeah, backed I'm up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we um yeah we're going back to London and Glasgow in like a week and a half to get the rest of shoot the rest of the footage. Amazing. And um and I'm not exactly sure when it's going to come out, but I'm I'm really excited about it. Yeah. So if you like documentaries or whiskey or just <laughs> in general, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's Amazing. what I'm on right now on my hiatus. Yeah. And uh, what is your Twitch so we can link it to the people? Oh yeah, my Twitch is um it's Brit Lightyear because you know. Toy Story 2 was my favorite video game when I was a kid. Yeah, so it's B-R-I-T-T Lightyear. Perfect. Well, we're going to put it in the show notes for sure. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much again. And definitely, like, I don't I don't know if we've scared you off, but if we would love to have you back for a more fan-centric episode, maybe. Totally. Okay, all right. We won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much again. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really loved it. Of course. <laughs> Have a wonderful day. Cool. Bye. 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 This has been Shilorian United. Once again, I want to thank Brittany Curran for first enduring me fangirling for like two hours during our video call, as well as all the lovely insights she gave for Uh, this episode, we really had a good time and we hope to see you again in another episode. We also want to thank Harry Potter and the Sacred Text as well as Spirit Podcast to uh, be our mentor and our inspiration for this show. We want to thank our patron people like Elliot that has been giving a bit of their money for making this show even better. If you wanted to join the Foo Fighter and get, and get audio bonuses the weeks we are not go on patreon.com dash united and, and you can get pledged and have uh, lots of goodies <laughs> uh, if you want to join us we are on facebook at uh, Florians united on tumblr at Florians united and on twitter at Florians. Uh, you can always reach to us to give your your thoughts uh, or uh, argue things that we said and uh, yeah that's about it The next episode will be a recap of the entire season. And, oh my god, guys, we did it. We did a whole show. Well, not a whole show. A whole season, though. Woo! Okay.
Okay, I need to stop fan going and like go take a cold shower or something. Bye. But one of my favorite things is when she asks the thing about the counselor after that you say sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. yeah. You you mean she's Canadian? <laughs> oh my god, Finn's Canadian. Right? <laughs> Finn might be Canadian, actually. Oh my god, Finn's Canadian. <laughs> Finn's definitely Canadian. Yes, yeah. because you can't say anything bad about her and you can't say anything bad about Canada. Like, there just isn't anything <laughs> yeah. bad yeah. to say. Just like Canada. she's too nice and she apologizes for things. And I feel and she, I feel she would love donuts. Yeah. So she's Canadian. She would bring oh, Tim, yeah. Tim, Tim Horton to everyone if she could, I'm sure. <laughs> the, the all, yes, to the little council meetings. Great. Yep, I'm yep. glad we had this time. <laughs> Sporting Production.